Welcome in to CP3 Podcast. I'm joined back here with Jack today, and I just want to thank everybody for the huge support on the last podcast uh, with the interview with Archbishop Stepanak, big man Malcolm Chemezi. That was the, be- the best we've done, and uh, thank you for showing love to him and us. Um, Jack and I are back here today again, and we are so excited about this upcoming NBA season. Not even upcoming, it has finally started. This is probably the most interesting NBA season in a long time, and Jack is going to start us off um, his opinions on the first week. So yeah, it's been a great first week for this past week for the NBA, and there there were some good games. It started off with the Clippers and Lakers on Tuesday night, and it, it ended with the Clippers taking the win by ten points. And here's what I'm thinking: I think the it's really obvious the Clippers are just more of a complete team than the Lakers, but that does not necessarily mean that overall through this season. The, that the Clippers will finish with a better record than the Lakers. I mean, we know that the Clippers were going to start off hot. I mean, they have Kawhi, new city, new town. He wants he wants to show up, and they have they have a good supporting cast. But you have to remember they don't have Paul George until like mid November, and we all know Kawhi is going to rest probably twenty games this season just so he's fresh for the playoffs. So they are gonna they are gonna go through some ups and up and downs the Clippers, but they showed up against the Lakers against the Lakers this past week. And I think it showed that LeBron, you can't rely on LeBron for 35 points a night anymore. I mean, he had 18, which 18 is like 7 and 7. And he he definitely did play a good game, but it just shows you can't run through him anymore. And he, LeBron even said that. He said, yeah, we were going to run, we're going to run through with Anthony Davis, that we're going to run our offense through him. And so I think that's going to work great. But we have to remember Anthony Davis is not like a top five offensive player in the league. Like he's good at everything on offense, but he's not the best at anything. So it's hard, kind of hard to run through him. And I think it's, they're putting a lot of pressure on LeBron with him being point guard, which is why I think that game was not was not very competitive towards the end because LeBron, he was tired. He didn't, he didn't want to play point guard. He's trying to get everyone involved. But to be honest, the Lakers, they don't have the greatest shooting. Like Danny Green can't do everything. So I think it's smart. Frank Vogel came out and said, yeah, I, I think we're definitely going to start Rajon Rondo. In, in multiple games in these upcoming games. So I think that's really smart because I don't think LeBron can thrive as a point guard at this stage in his career. I think you need a guy like Rondo. I mean, he isn't the best, but he is a good facilitator, and he could get, give LeBron the ball. And when LeBron needs the ball, he'll have the ball, and he'll win games for the Lakers. Um, that's a really good point you brought up about Rajon Rondo being the point guard and how it's pretty much a necessity at this point. But in my honest opinion, I don't think that Rajon Rondo or LeBron James will solve the problem. I don't think Frank Vogel is the man for this job. I think this is the Lakers team is under more pressure this year than last year because LeBron got all the young guys out and is every veteran possible that he needs. And I don't think Frank Vogel is, is going to have that type of support from everybody in the locker room because everyone's just going to be bickering about minutes. I also think that having Jason Kidd, you have an assistant coach, your head assistant wants your job. That just doesn't seem to work out. In addition... LeBron James on the game against Friday against the Utah Jazz, he had 32 points, 7 rebounds, 10 assists. I just You can't expect that from LeBron every single night anymore. He can give you 25 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists, which are still MVP-type numbers. But I think that the Lakers are going to have some struggles adapting Anthony Davis to the system. And I think it really showed against the Clippers, who are just a dominant basketball team. 1-5, through five, the bench, coach, everything. And, I, and I'm not surprised that they lost it all. I do think the Lakers will figure it out just off sheer talent. But I don't think it will be a pretty season for them. I think there will be some ups and downs, a bad loss here and there. But I still see them being very successful. 
So, yeah, I just want to, I'm going to move to the Nets versus Timberwolves and more talk about Kyrie Irving. He reminded the entire league that he is still a top 10, if not top 5 player in this league by dropping 50 points, 8 rebounds, and 7 assists. I mean, if you were watching that game, it just showed how comfortable he was with this Brooklyn Nets team. And even though they lost, that was just because the Nets, the rest of the Nets team decided not to show up. But Kyrie, I mean, he, he showed that he is still the clutch player he was with the Cavs. He showed that he is still the leader he was with with the Cavs, and not not the Celtics, but, I mean, I think this is going to be a different Kyrie Irving this year. He's going to want to prove to the entire league that he is a good leader. He, he doesn't want that, that everyone to look down on him. He wants people to look at him as a top-five player in this league, and I think he's going to show that by putting up MVP numbers this season and maybe even be in the conversation because 50 points, most points ever in a debut for a new team, for a new player. So, I mean, I think that is huge. For Kyrie, even though they lost, just remind everyone that, yeah, I can still drop 50 on any night. I can still get my teammates involved. I can still hit those clutch shots. So, I mean, I think I think that was great for this league. And I think another good game that was that happened this past week was the Clippers versus Warriors. CP, do you have any thoughts on that game? The Clippers versus Warriors game I thought was amazing, in my opinion, because the Warriors have been dominating the league for the past four or five years. And for the Clippers just to walk in, the new dogs in town, and just completely destroyed them. I know, believe me, we know they don't have Klay Thompson, and we know this is the same Warriors team. They don't have the depth. But I think it just sent a message saying that the league tide has changed, and I thought that Kawhi Leonard was outstanding in that game. And this might sound crazy as though, I think Steph Curry is um, a once in a generation, or once in a life, once in a, you'll never see a player like him ever in the NBA. And I think that, for Steph Curry, though, has a mind block with uh, Kawhi Leonard. I think that Kawhi Leonard is just a player that will be taunting the Warriors for many years to come. And I think that I, I think the Warriors have the talent in coaching and management to be contenders. But I think that they have a mental block with, with Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers that they won't seem to be able to get over. They, they had a dogfight with them in the first round, which, really, which should have been easy sweep. On paper, that team was nowhere near as good. But I think the Clippers just have this alpha dog mentality that it's going to bother a lot of teams this year. And I really liked how they came in the first uh, game or second game of the season and showed that they're the uh, new do- new guy in town. Yeah, I'm going to be completely honest. I'm really worried about the Warriors this season. I mean, in, in, going into the season, I thought that, okay, they can still be a good team. They'll still make the playoffs. And I think they could maybe win a series or two. But, I mean, it just really showed with this game against the Clippers that they do not have the talent anymore to compete as a top seed in the West anymore. We They still have Steph Curry, and he he will get you 30 a night. But, I mean, Draymond Green, isn't, he, he is that guy on defense. But, I mean, that that's not going to win you the games when you don't have the other guys to do the offense for you. I mean, you, defense can only do so much if the other guys around you aren't really doing anything. So, and I understand they got D'Angelo Russell. And I do think him and Steph Curry can work well because their games play off nice each other. When Steph isn't hitting the threes, you can turn to D'Angelo Russell to get that pick-and-roll mid-range game going. But, I mean, and that showed in this game. They had 23 and then D'Angelo Russell with 20, but... I'm kind of worried because when your first guy off the bench is Eric Pascal, with nothing against him, but this is a, he's a rookie, and he's playing 31 minutes in his first game out of college. I mean, that is pretty concerning when he is your sixth man. And it's not like he had a bad game, but you cannot rely on him and guys like Marquise Chris, who have pretty much been out of the league and couldn't, and the Warriors had to beg the management to get to sign Marquise Chris. I mean, it's kind of concerning when you have these guys coming off your bench and... 
and you're getting blown out by 20. It's one thing if you're still winning, but they're getting blown out. And it's going to be hard because they can't rely on a guy to come off the bench like Andre Godala or Sean Livingston. They don't have those guys anymore. So I think this is really going to put a test on Steph Curry and especially Steve Kerr to see if he is a coach that won three championships because, I mean, he's never really had this big of a challenge before. I mean, it was a challenge to get Kevin Durant involved, but that's easy because he's a great player. But with these guys on this bench, it's going to really show if he is a top-tier coach in this league. I mean, I do agree that the Warriors are nowhere, going to be nowhere near as good, but I still am very high on them. I think Steve Kerr's system and the ability to incorporate all his egos into one uh, one uh, team, and I think that he will show that he is good enough to be that coach that won three championships. I think that I think that the biggest loss, in my opinion, has to be Clay Thompson. I mean, Kevin Durant was the best player. Clay Thompson was a glue guy that could give you 24 points a game and play outstanding defense, and he's extremely efficient. And I feel like unless they get Clay Thompson back, that this team's just gonna have have some struggles defensively because it's forcing too many guys out of position. And my just my biggest concern with the Warriors is depth. I don't I have no question about their starters. I know it's not Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson, two big players are gone. But those but you replaced it with DeAndre Russell, who's a great player and just living us to the playoffs. And I just think this year with the Warriors, it's going to be depth. Even, be even really their starting concerned. lineup with Glenn Robinson and Kavon Looney, those are two guys who haven't had much starting experience in this league. I don't, Kevin, Kevin, Kavon Looney, I'd have no problem with starting. He started last year. Yeah, but he only, he only played 10 minutes. It's gonna. It's it's like he, they, they're depth, not but. they're not even that confident in him. And I know he did start last year, but he's not he's not going to do anything special. And Glenn Robinson, he he's a solid role player in this league, but he should not be starting on the on the Golden State Warriors. So it really just shows their troubles this year. And I think if they had Clay Thompson, they they would not be in the situation. Their team would be much better. But since they don't have him, as you stated, they are gonna they are gonna struggle this year. And I think they will make the playoffs, but it's gonna be a real struggle struggle for them. From that. I think we should move to Zion Williamson's injury and how he is not going to be starting off this season playing for the Pelicans. He will be on the bench rehabbing a torn meniscus for about two months until December. And I think, you know, it's really unfortunate that this happened. We were all looking forward to Zion playing with Lonzo and just the Pelicans just to see what Zion has. And for him to get injured like this before the season even starts, just it just it kind of sucks. I mean, we all wanted to see him play. And the whole thing was, everyone was so excited for Zion and Lonzo, but now we're not going to get to see that. And it's it's been showing. The Pelicans, they're not a complete team. They're 0-3 without Zion. And Brandon Ingram has been showing up in his place, but he cannot carry this team if, if no one else is going to show up. And Lonzo, I mean, he has started off the season not bad, but not great either. I mean, he's only been averaging about 12 points. And he, is, he has his usual stats of almost a triple-double, barely. But, I mean... If it's not translating to wins, I don't think it's worth it. And it just shows that they're going to need Zion to stay healthy if they want to be a playoff team. I agree with you. Zion tearing his meniscus and not playing right now has to be one of the worst things for the NBA, in my opinion. There's not been an NBA prospect like Zion Williamson since LeBron James. He has that likable personality. He transformed Duke last year. I mean, it's crazy to say he, he created a new brotherhood at Duke. Even though Duke's had a long history of players, he's kind of a, a new generation type of guy. Um, he plays with such intensity every game, and he's a good person off the court. And I think, and he, in addition, he's also a flashy player, but plays efficiently and leads to wins. And I think him not playing is just an awful thing for the league. There, he had so much hype coming around him, and he had such high expectations. And his team is also hurting because of this. Yet, 
without Zion Williamson right now, the the NBA ratings are gonna are down a little bit than what they were projected to be the start of the year. Him not playing is creates all this other drama with TV marketing and stuff. His shoe contract. Him him not playing just adds such a layer of stress for the league that they can't afford right now. This this is the, this is the most balanced they've had in the league for a while, and they're so and the savior of the um maybe not the savior but. The be- the best prospect they've had in a while isn't playing. I think that's just awful. I think it's and also pretty. It's also worth noting that yeah, they don't have Zion, but the league is also without Kevin Durant, but one of the best players in the league. They're also without Clay Thompson, as we've mentioned. They're out. They're without Paul George for most for first half of the season. Maybe they're going to be without Kawhi Leonard for at least twenty games as he'll be resting. And yeah, so these these are those are four superstars that you're not going to see in throughout this season. You'll see them eventually, but it's it just shows that this is one of the most anticipated. Le- anticipated seasons of all time and we're without four of the best players in the league so that just shows how anticipated this season was and imagine if those four players were playing i mean this this season would be crazy that's very true um one thing i want to talk about is zion's injury concern so zion's we all know he got injured against duke i mean against unc um at duke when they were when he was playing he ripped the shoe and it was the famous zion ripped nike shoe stock went up sort of thing so that I, that injury, in my opinion, is an injury that couldn't have been avoided. It just happens. But he got injured in the summer league, the preseason, and at Duke. And he's injured in the regular season now. Is this something we should be concerned about? I've heard many people say Zion cannot play at 285 pounds, being six foot six, and jumping out the gym. I was always disagreeing with those people because I feel that he has just conditioned himself his whole life. If you look at him in his high school highlights, look at him as AAU, look at him at Duke, he's always been a big, bulky guy, and it never, ever affected him. But now that he's at a, playing at a higher speed than ever, maybe it will affect him. And I really hope it doesn't, because Zion just brings so much to the table that we haven't seen in a while. And I think that he, him not playing is just it's just the worst thing. He's Zion Williamson is to LeBron with... Uh, Zion Williams is to LeBron in terms of draft hype, and I think that you, the league at this point can't afford to lose him right now, especially with all these other uh, stuff going on with the NBA already having issues with injuries, the 82-game season. I think he's just adding to the um, to the hate for this. Yeah, I'm not going to specifically say Zion cannot play at 285 pounds. Uh, again, we're no doctors here, but if he if this is a reoccurring theme, that he, he, he plays a few games, gets injured again with his knee, and it's always his knee. He keeps getting injured multiple times. I mean, Charles Barkley has stated has stated he needs to lose weight. And that's a guy he would know. I mean, he played most of his career overweight. And, I mean, he did get injured towards the later end of, later end of his career. So he knows. And, if I mean, I trust Charles Barkley's opinion. But I'm not saying that's, that's certain for Zion that he needs to lose weight. But I'm just saying that it's happened three times now. It's been with his knee. The three, or it's been with his ankle and knee all those times in the leg area, which is where all the weight goes when you're when you're cutting and running on the basketball floor so i mean if this keeps happening zion's gonna realize okay if i want to be able to play in this league for a really long time i'm gonna need to make some changes to my game and that's not the worst thing ever i mean he'll still be a dominant player he's not gonna it's not like it would make him not jump as high so i mean if this i think zion is smart enough to know okay if this happens a few more times i'm gonna have to make some changes and I don't want to add on to this. This would make it even worse. He was balling out in the preseason. Him and Lonzo yeah. throwing lobs. They, they looked great together. That's why everyone was so excited. And I think that, that I was just so just devastated when I found out about his injury. And I, I like to I like the Charles Barkley point. Is Charles Barkley, as we know, undersized as a power forward? You could say Zion's undersized, um, and they both would play at a very high weight. But I feel like the game is so much faster now 
that I think that I don't know if Charles Barkley has the greatest opinion, but I, I guess I guess he would even make his case a more faster weight. But uh, I don't know. I, I really hope Zion doesn't get injured because I think that he's just the savior that we all need. From that, I think we we want to touch on these some of these huge extensions that were signed before this season. I mean, with the Jalen Brown and Buddy Hield, and I know you want to talk about the Jalen Brown contract, but I think I'll start off with Buddy Hield. He signed a four-year, $96 million contract with incentives that can make the deal go up to $105 million? $106 million. So that would be about $29 million a year. And I think, I mean, my initial thoughts on it. Buddy Hield, the some of the comments he made leading up to this contract kind of, kind of, Made me think. Okay, I think I think this guy should just hold back on what he's saying. First off, Buddy Heald started. Some of his comments that he made were, "Okay, no one ever comes to Sacramento. I don't understand why they're not going to pay me," which is a valid point. But I mean, you're in Sacramento right now. It's not you can't worry about other people coming to Sacramento. You have to worry about the deal that you're worth to be in Sacramento for, that you've done in the past. What have you showed? And he, Buddy Heald, no doubt in my mind, is a good player, but. He only he averaged 20 points per game last year. That was the only season he averaged above 20. And before that, he was nothing he was nothing that special. I mean, he averaged what 13, 14 points per game, but last season was the first season he actually put the put the Kings on their back and almost led them to a playoff, to the playoffs. But I think the fact that he wants 96 million dollars for 4 years, I think that is almost crazy to me that he wants that much money. And I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it, but he definitely deserves to get paid. But the fact that he's complaining that he's like he's he's laughing at the fact that the Kings offered him a four-year, eighty million deal, it just shows that what these players think of themselves these days. I mean, they need to be. I think these players need to be humbled, in my opinion. They are getting paid so much money to play a game that they absolutely love to play, and they're complaining about eighty million dollars. I mean, come on, you're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna get money either way, and you're gonna get more than that with endorsements anyway. And the fact that he is in a preseason game after he hits a three, he's showing the money signed of Lade Divac, the Kings GM. It just shows a bit of disrespect towards the league in general, just saying, oh, they don't care about me. I'm not good enough. But Buddy Heels, you are good enough, and you were going to get paid $80 million. And congrats on your on your deal with $96 million. Everyone deserves to get paid. But, I mean, the fact, some of the comments that you made, it's just kind of concerning, considering you've never been an All-Star, never been on an All-NBA team. You averaged 20 points for one season. $96 million. I mean, there have been multiple players who have d- done much better than you and have gotten lesser deals and said nothing about it. So, I think, but go, Buddy Hield, I want you to prove me wrong, show that you're worth the money. But, I mean, as of now, the fact that you're complaining about it, I think it's kind of ridiculous. I would have to agree with you 100%. Jack just summed that up perfectly. But I just want to add one more thing to the Buddy Hield thing. But it, the comment when he said no one ever comes to Sacramento... I think that could have been the stupidest thing you possibly could have said. You are on the team right now, and you have to prove your worth. You, Jack's right. You cannot worry about what other people said. And first off, if, you, if you're saying no one comes to Sacramento, why wouldn't they pay me? That's just like saying, well, Jim Fredette's in Sacramento. Why shouldn't they pay him? Like when he was their drafted. That, just, that statement made absolutely no sense. You were just trying to bring yourself up. You're putting yourself up by making your organization look worse. And I'm shocked that no one said anything more about that. Also, no one wants to go to Sacramento because you guys haven't been good for the past 10 years. I mean, maybe if you if this team became a playoff team, yeah, maybe maybe players would start wanting to go there. But since Buddy Hill hasn't been able to make them get to the playoffs, I mean, it kind of contradicts his own statement. 
and you can't be complaining about $80 million that you got. That is a huge generous deal. If you look at statistics, a lot of players always have career years right before their contracts. They're putting in the works. They want that money. How do we know that Buddy Heald won't do the same? How do we know that he's not going to be as motivated now that he's been paid? And I just think that you were a very likable guy up until this point, but what you just said right there kind of, I don't know, it, it rubbed off me the wrong way. It's not, it's not even it. like he said, oh, I want, like, I respectfully declined this offer. I want some more money. He said he was embarrassed by the by the $80 million deal and that he thought it was a joke and started, like, la- like he was laughing at the Kings organization. So, I mean, that, I think that shows his lack of respect for the Kings as a whole. So, But then the Kings ended up giving him $96 million. I guess they didn't care. Yeah, I guess they realized he must be worth $96 million. On to the next one, we're going to talk about Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown, he was drafted third overall of the Celtics in 2016 out of Cal. He started. People compared him to a poor man's Kawhi Leonard. My opinion, he's a homeless man's Kawhi Leonard. Jalen Brown has to be one of the most overrated players in the league, in my opinion. He's a huge ego. He doesn't do anything particularly great. I guess he's he's a he's a pretty good defender. I'd give him that. His offensive game is okay, and he had the audacity to tell the Celtics that he wasn't in Karis LeVert's range of $52 million for three years, that he needed four years, $115 million. I'm just going to read off Jalen Brown's stats. When he was 21 years old, he had, playing 30 minutes a game, he averaged 14.5 points, 1.6 assists, three rebounds, 39% from three, 46% from the field. Okay, that's not horrible for 21 years old, but that's not $115 million worth. The next year, when he's 22, 20, so he's playing less minutes. I know that Gordon Hayward came back and Kyrie was back the whole year. 13 points a game, 1.4 assists, 34% from three, and 46% from the field. You became less efficient on less shots and less minutes. If your minutes go down and your shots go down, your efficiency should go up. They shouldn't go down. And then so far this year, so he's had 28 minutes a ga- or 20 minutes a game. And he had, again, his first game against the Sixers, he was eight. He had eight points, three or six shooting, one for two from the field, and he only played 21 minutes a game. Denny Ainge, what are you thinking right now? You just gave a guy 115 million dollars. He should be starting. He should be playing 33, 35 minutes a game, not 21 minutes a game. And then the next game, he fought up. He played very well. 25 or he had 25 points, nine from 20 shooting. An abysmal two for seven from three-point land. That's awful. You can't be making $115 million shooting that bad. Next game against the Knicks, he was nine, 19 points, 6 of 14, an abysmal 1 for 5 from 3. He is shooting a ton of shots, and he is extremely inefficient. No, he is nowhere near worth this contract, and I think he's going to turn out to be one of the worst contracts in the league because Jaden Brown rubs off as a huge ego. I have no idea what this was for. He, he better be averaging, with $115 million, he should be averaging... 20 points a game, no doubt. He should be average, he should be shooting 40% from three, 50% from the uh, field. That's just my opinion. He should be playing excellent defense. He's the reason he didn't play much in the playoffs last year is because he was terrible. What are you thinking right now? Yeah, I think there's been a trend the past few few years in this league where players have been getting extensions not based off of their past their past um, showing, like their past stats that they've done. But I think it's been based off their potential down the line in two to three years. And that's shown with a guy like Pascal Siakam, who also got a deal for, um, it was four years, $130 million. 
And I think that that is, you could say that's a bad signing, but I do actually like that sign. I think Pascal Siakam deserves that contract 100% because this is what he has that Jalen Brown doesn't. Pascal Siakam, second guy on a championship team, led his team to a championship with Kawhi Leonard. That shows that he has the playoff experience, the ability to hit those big shots. How many times did Pascal Siakam in the playoffs last year have that big three in the corner? I mean, I'm telling you, he had at least at least three times in games last year. He he was very clutch. And he I, I don't think he, he, he didn't average 20 points either. He averaged about 18. But the way he plays, you, sh- you could tell that he was going to, he was, he's going to be a good player. And without Kawhi Leonard, I think the Raptors were forced into the situation where they had to give him the big money. Because without Pascal Siakam, they have no future. But Pascal Siakam, I mean, he has shown in the beginning of the season, with, he said he came to 30 points. I mean, he yeah, he can be the player who he's going to lead the Raptors to another championship. I, I totally believe that. And the difference between him and Jalen Brown is Jalen Brown has not really proven, not really proven anything. I mean, he... Again, as you said, his stats haven't been that impressive. And it's not like he is even the main guy on the on the Celtics either. It's not like he's going to lead them to a championship. Yeah, they have they have Kemba Walker, who's much better than him. Jason Tatum was much better than him. I mean, Gordon. I would say him and Gordon Hayward are neck and neck in talent. I mean, honestly, in Jalen Brown, it's not like he's his 20-year-old who's averaging these stats. No, he's like 20, 24, 25 already. I mean, it's not... It's it's He's going to he's gonna average good stats. The, I mean, yeah, but this, con- this contract isn't going to... It's not going to elevate him anymore. I mean, I think he's... He, Jalen Brown has almost reached his potential of how, how good he can be. I don't think he can be much better than he is now. I think he can be a little better. I don't think he can be much better. And I think that contract was just undeserving. I think Buddy Heald's contract was much more deserving than Jalen Brown's because at least Buddy Heald has shown that he can average 20 points and has shown he can lead his team alone with some, with some supporting cast. But there's no other huge stars in Sacramento for him to, like, play with. He has the year in Fox, who's still an unproven young player. Like, Jalen Brown has Kemba Walker, he has to play with, and Jason Tatum. Two players who are much better than him. So I think for um, Jalen Brown to get that contract, it just shows that the NBA is kind of just throwing money out there just for young players to stay. And it just shows that, I mean, I don't think some of these, con- some of these contracts, some of these players aren't worth a contract. But regarding Pascal Siakam, I think definitely he is deserving of the con- that contract because he, I, he's a player who could be an all-star this year leading his team to the playoffs because the Raptors are already 2-0. So I think that, that's a good that's the difference between Pascal Siakam's contract and why that's a good deal than Buddy Heald's and Jalen Brown's deal. I mean, I agree with you 100%. The Pascal, Sia- Pascal Siakam played amazing in the NBA Finals. He played amazing the whole year. He's not an ego. He plays hard every single night. He is so motivated to do well, and that's all he wanted to do. He, he, the, one of the reasons he got the contract is how well he played in the NBA Finals, the playoffs, down the stretch. Jalen Brown has done none of that. Jalen Brown has done nothing but talk and talk and talk and remind people that he was the number three overall pick. Just because you were number three overall pick doesn't mean you do anything. And I, I don't know how, again, people didn't talk about this more. Woj tweeted out that Jalen Brown was disgusted that the um, Celtics thought he was in the Karis LeVert range. Karis LeVert was given three years, $52 million when he was playing amazing. He came back from what looked like a gruesome injury. That looks like, that, look, that deal looks like a steal now. I mean, oh the, the, Net, the Nets have shown they've been able to sign these players. 
these players to, to great contracts. Karras for three years, fifty-two million. Spencer Dooney, three years, thirty-two million. Tareen Prince just signed an extension, two years, twenty-nine million. These are players who are starting for a team, and they are averaging great points. I mean, Spencer Dooney is a sixth man of the year candidate, skills challenge winner. Great, he has won the Nets many games throughout the years, and to for, to sign him for only thirty million, I mean, that is obviously that's a lot of money. But for Spencer Dooney to understand, okay, I'm gonna take maybe less for my team, so I get my other teammates more money, so we can all stay stay as a core for the next few years. That just shows that these players aren't just thinking about themselves on the Nets, they're thinking about the other players around them, and the management also recognizes that, and that's where Jalen Brown is not thinking. He's not. He's doing this all for himself, not for the team. That's another thing. Karis LeVert, I'm going to read you Karis LeVert's stats. Never mind, Karis LeVert came back from a gruesome injury. Karis LeVert last year averaged 13.7 points a game. Uh, he shot 48% from the field and about 43% from the field, and he got $52 million. But think about it. Before that's an be, absolute before, steal. Before the injury, he was averaging about... 22 a game. It's because the, the reason those stats are down so much is when he came back after oh, the exactly. yeah when he came back after the injury he was he was he was not himself until until the playoffs against that Sixers series he was out he had about like five to ten a night when he came back from the injury for the last two months of the season. But I mean at the beginning of the season that's 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 the Karis Levert that got the contract that, that 52 million dollar contract that was the Karis Levert the 22 points per game Karis Levert. So I mean yeah that like you said that's why he got that contract. And I just it this contract for. Uh, Jalen Brown just bothers me so much for some reason because I just think that players right now you get he he just doesn't prove anything to me. Karis LeVert right now on a much more talented Nets team is averaging 16 points a game, extremely efficient, and he's just showing um, how good of a player he actually is. Doesn't talk at all, and Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown is rubs me off as too much of a diva, and I think that the reverse the the roles have switched in the NBA. The Nets are now. The, the geniuses and the Celtics are now a laughing stock with these contracts are going out. Jason Tatum's going to want to get paid. Kim Walker got paid. Jim Brown got paid. You're just throwing out money. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we've covered enough of that for now regarding these huge contracts. But now we'd like to shift to some of the upcoming games this week. And we want to, I think we want to talk, we're going to pick five, or five of our most anticipated games. And then we're going to give you our predictions. And then next week, we're going to tell you, okay, were we right or were we wrong for those for those game predictions? So I think I'm going to start off with Warriors Pelicans. I think I'm going to go. I'm going to go with. I'm actually going to go with the Pelicans on this one. They haven't gotten a win yet. I think they're going to be hungry for that win, and I'm not so confident about the Warriors figuring it out this early in the season. What about you? Uh, I'm going to go with the Warriors winning. I think the Warriors are just a more completed team, and unless Brandon Ingram and Drew Holiday just mesh well, Brandon Ingram's been balling out, but Drew Holiday hasn't given him that uh, that fire that he showed uh, last year. So. I'm picking Warriors this one. Next game, Celtics Bucks. I think I'm gonna go with the Bucks on this one, just for the mer- fat, just from the fact that the Bucks are a better team, and even they lost, they lost last night actually against against the Heat, and yeah, they lost against the Heat last night without Jimmy Butler. So that just shows the Bucks are gonna want to win. The Celtics, I mean, they've they've been okay, but they they really haven't been. They, they're nothing special in my opinion, so I just think the Bucks are going to take this game. I think the Bucks are one top te- team in the East this year, top five team in the NBA. Giannis is balling. Uh, I know they don't have a second star, really. Um, they just have a ton of guys who can shoot, but I just don't like the Celtics team at all. I don't think Kemba, Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, and Tatum are going to mesh well, and they lost their defensive anchor in Al Horford, and I'm going Bucks with this one. Next game, Spurs-Clippers. Uh, the Spurs have been quietly led start of the season off 2-0, but that doesn't, and the Clippers are 1-1, but still, taking the Clippers. More talented team than the Spurs, so going with the Clippers. 
I'm going to go with the Clippers on this one. Even if Kawhi Leonard takes one of his rest days, I think the rest of the team is too talented. Montrezl Harrell and the Williams both had 20 points off the bench this game, and the defense is going to be too good for the Clip- uh, in the Spurs to handle. Next game, Nets-Rockets. CP, who are you taking? I'm taking the Brooklyn Nets on this one. I've said once again, I don't think James Harden and Russell Westbrook are going to lead to many wins at all. I'll see they'll make the playoffs, but these two are too ball dominant, and I don't think that the they have anything around them. That's I don't think they have enough uh, def- defense around them, and I think that Mike D'Antoni is going to give them too much free will. I think the Nets are just so much more complete and play more together, even with Gary Irving going ISO, that there's going to be no way for the Rockets to keep up with that. I think this is going to be a bit surprising. I'm going to go with the Rockets. I think James Harden is going to absolutely expose the Nets' defensive struggles as of late. He's going to drop almost 50. I think Russell Westbrook is going to be a nice compliment to that this game. And I think I just I just have a feeling that you know the Nets are going to struggle this game. They they have kind of started off the season a bit rocky, barely reading the Knicks, losing to the Timberwolves in OT. So I just think the Rockets are going to take this one. Next game, Bucks Raptors. Our last one of our of our picks. I'm going to go with the Toronto Raptors over the Milwaukee Bucks. Just, I'm really liking the Raptors at the start of the season uh, this this year. They've, they've looked hungry. They looked like they want to prove everyone that, no, Kawhi Leonard was not our entire team. We can still be successful without him. And I just think they're going to take this one over the Bucks. Um, I'm going to go with the Bucks on this one once again. I think Giannis has just been as unreal. And I think this is going to be another year where he's going to remind everyone that he is the MVP. And he's been talking a lot. There was a quote the other day about him and the Bucks about how it would be hard for him to stay if um, the Bucks don't play well. And I think everyone in the locker room is motivated by that. And I think Mike Budenholzer is an amazing coach. I do think that Nick Nurse is a great coach for the Raptors also. But I don't. I just don't think that the Raptors are going to have an answer for uh, Giannis. And I can, see, I can see it being a close game, but I'm going to go with Bucks. Yeah, and after since we've set our picks for this, we're going to now, before, before each game, this coming week, we're going to post a poll on our Instagram, and you, you guys will be able to have the chance to vote who you, guys, who you think will win the game, and then next week, as I've said, we're, we're going to look back on these and see where we were, right and where we were wrong, but now, just before we end, we, I think we each want to list off some of our predictions for the standings at the end of the, for the end of the year, because we just want to, we want to be able to look back and see, see how, well, if we were thinking clearly, if we, if we were able to know, okay, who's going to be good, who's going to be bad, so Really quickly, I'm just going to read off my Eastern Conference standings. I'm going to say Bucks, Sixers, Nets, Raptors, Celtics, Heat, Pistons, Hawks. With the Hawks as the eighth seed, Bucks as the one seed. That, that, those are my quick thoughts. I'm not going to give really any thoughts. I mean, we've said I've said most of my thoughts on these teams in the, some past episodes, but those are my picks. I just think, yeah, th- those are. My, I'm going to leave it there. For the West, I'm going to say Lakers one, Clippers. Portland, Denver, Houston, Golden State, Jazz, Spurs. Spurs is the eight seed. Lakers is the one seed. I just think that the Lakers, I think they'll figure it out. They'll be able to get the one seed. And the Spurs, people have been sleeping on as the eight seed. So I think they're going to be able to sneak in there over teams that I might have originally thought, like the Pelicans and Mavericks I think and the Kings. I think those teams would be playoff teams in the East. But, I mean, they've been starting off really slow this year. So I just think the Spurs are just more complete team, better coach, better. I think we forgot they have DeMar DeRozan and Marcus Aldridge. So I think they're just a better team overall. They're going to be able to sneak in there. CP, would you like to say your, your standings, your For predictions? Eastern Conference. I have Sixers, Bucks, Nets, Nets, sorry, Raptors, Heat, Celtics, Hawks. I think that Trey Young has been balling out this year, and I think that he's the Hawks are really going to take a first step. I think that the Sixers team, Ben Simmons, has completely improved, and I know he's not the 
Steph Curry shooter, but he just his handle looks sharper, everything else looks better. And I think the Bucks are gonna do their usual thing. I don't think the Nets have the star power to beat the Bucks, the Sixers, but they're just a great team overall. So I'm gonna put them at the three seed. Now for my Western Conference, I have the Lakers number one, uh, Clippers two, uh, the Nuggets, then the Blazers, then I have the Jazz, then I have Houston, Golden State, and eight seed. I the eight seed is a tough one for me. I'm gonna have to go with the Kings. I think the Kings are just ready to bounce back. Buddy Hill is probably motivated. I don't know for sure, but I, I could just see him being pretty motivated. I have the Clippers in my finals, but I just don't think that uh, Kawhi Leonard is going to play enough games for them to be the number one seed. And I think that the Lakers, just with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, they're too star-powered to not be the number one seed. And LeBron's teams always seem to figure it out. Uh, besides for last year to, to have a great regular season. So I just don't see any way the Lakers don't end up as the one seed. I don't think the Nuggets are star-driven enough or the Blazers. Who do you have in the East in the finals? In the finals, I have the Sixers. And then for the West, I have the Clippers. And I have the Clippers winning the championship. That's very interesting. I have, for my final prediction, I have the Bucks versus the Lakers with the Lakers winning it all. Well, I'm, Jack and I are so pumped for this NBA season. And be on the lookout every Saturday and Sunday or for a podcast or one of those days we'll be posting for sure. And um, be very, very similar to this. We'll look at games the past week. We'll look at upcoming games that week. We'll talk about any big news that happened. So just join us during those times to listen to to listen to something like this. Be sure to follow us on Instagram. CP um, for three on Instagram. Yep. And then on Twitter, CPanigos21 on our Instagram. We'll be posting polls and stuff. We'll be answering questions. If you guys have, if you have any suggestions, uh, give us a DM, and we'll be sure to respond back. And um, keep, an, keep a lookout for the next couple months with Step and I basketball starting and the NBA getting more interesting. Um, this can be a, a very good season for us. Thank you for listening. See you next time on the CB for 3 podcast.